Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thanks for coming in. Oh, yeah. Appreciate it. it. Happened to be uh, in the neighborhood. <laughs> what brought you to the neighborhood? Uh, nothing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> us. I wasn't in us. the neighborhood at all. No. <laughs> I will let you know right here, Jared Leto, that what you're seeing here is a facade. It is. This oh, is okay. a facade right here. This is AI? Uh, well, <laughs> almost. Women dressed up with makeup on oh, wow. for a morning show. This is not what I see every day. <laughs> well, you didn't dress up for me? No. Yeah. Uh, this is dressed up for me. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> and great. I did have the thought on the way over here, actually, and this is really weird. I only live about four minutes from the radio station, and for whatever reason i wanted to smell good for you today and i forgot to put my cologne on on the way up and it really got into my head well you know what it's the thought that counts (laughs) (laughs) you did think about it i happen to think you smell terrific thank you i appreciate that jared leto in studio with the bird show this morning so over the weekend i think we probably were all doing a deep dive and doing our homework on jared leto and usually when i start doing research i'm usually done with it in an hour and a half two hours right (laughs) But you, my dude, you are a fascinating creature. (laughs) (laughs) Especially if you read the internet. Yeah, right. right? When they picked that Dos guy as the most interesting guy in the world, they got it wrong. They did. It's you. You seem to have, and this, I think, was the thing that was drawing me most into wanting to find out more about you. This fearlessness that you seem to have about everything that you attack in life. Where does that come from? And is it true? Well, I appreciate it. You know, my mother actually is probably my biggest inspiration. And, you know, she was a very young mom. She had two kids by the time she was 19. And, you know, she really fought hard to make a better life for herself. And, you know, I I learned a lot from her about independence, about following your dreams, about, you know, the fact that it's okay to have a creative life, a wild life, a risky life. So I would say my mother. Oh, that's a good answer. Good answer. answer. Uh, I'm sure your mom appreciates it too. She She better. (laughs) I find that I get more driven actually by the fear of failure than I do by the excitement of success. Which one is that for you? I mean, I think it's a little bit of both, you know, failure is a great teacher and fear is a great fuel, right? They both drive you those things. And I think they're essential. They should teach us that, you know, Mm -hmm. to not avoid those things, but to recognize them as like, okay, maybe I am headed in the right direction. You know, they're both important. They certainly get me up in the morning and they mm-hmm. push me harder. Now, having yeah. just climbed the Empire State Building, <laughs> I think it's obvious height is not a fear of yours. Yeah. Is there anything that you are fearful of or that you would never do? Yeah, there's a lot. You know, I'm really scared of sharks. Yeah. Oh. Um, but oddly, I got into free diving recently. Now, how does that happen? You know, ah, gosh, it's just one of those things. And I do have some fear of heights, but it has to be really, really high. I mean, how much that, higher does it get than the Empire State yeah. Building? I mean, <laughs> you know, that's a good question. Uh, there were a couple of times during that climb where I almost fell. And even though I was in a position where I might have been, you know, okay, it was still pretty scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the second day, I actually climbed it two days in a row. And the second day, I would climb a little bit 
and stop to film and climb a little bit and stop to film. And while I stopped, I would sit back and then kind of swing out over the abyss. And wow. that was, uh, you know, your stomach kind of dropped out. And Damn. And you didn't soil fun. yourself. Yeah, I'd have definitely well, <laughs> myself. I'll, I'll tell you after the show. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but it was 40 degrees out and it was 41 mile per hour winds. Oh. I was standing on a quarter inch rivets, little bolt heads and very sharp and very small handholds. And, you know, there's some people out there who think that maybe I was pulled up or it was a stunt. And it actually wasn't. I love the climb. I'm obsessed with climbing. And it was really hard. Yeah. I have to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like really his face hard. lights up. And yeah. He's like, oh, my God, you guys. And I almost died. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Yeah. But really fun. I was always obsessed with that building as a kid. I was fascinated with it. And for me, it kind of was obviously a symbol of New York. And New York was a, a place that you went to make your dreams come true. Sure. I always wanted to be an artist, and New York was the place to go make it happen. Jared Leto in studio with The Bird Show this morning. Staying in the vein of fearlessness, I was inspired by reading about your earlier stages when you took a lot of risk and a lot of leaps of faith in order to really mm-hmm. get to gain your success. Like, what did you learn about life in those stages, and what was that like for you? You know, it was really kind of a, a slow process, it felt like. You know, I wanted things to happen so much quicker, and I felt often like I was failing and I was. So you fail all the time. I fail all the time. I probably fail more than anybody I've ever met in my life. When is the last time you failed at something big? Oh, well, you know, you do things all the time. And even with Empire, it was, we had a thousand no's and I just convinced myself to hear maybe, you mm-hmm. know, and I mean, honestly, they said, nope, not going to happen. And we just kept pushing and pushing and pushing and arguably that getting the permission to do it was as hard, if not harder than climbing itself. But it happens all the time. I mean, I wrote 300 songs just to get 11 worthy of the album. Wow. You know, and it's part of the process. You fail one night on stage, you have a great song, your voice isn't working as well as you want it to. So it's part of the process. So you said you wrote all those songs and 11 end up on the album that we're going to get more into in just a couple of seconds. You don't see that as a failure, though, the ones that didn't make the album? Well, I think so. I mean, you could chalk it up. It's, it's, It's certainly, I guess it's success in some way because it's what it takes to get those that are remaining but yeah you fail i mean they don't work they don't come together you you play them for someone and you might play seasons early on and people go oh there's something special there and then you play another song you're equally as excited about and people are like what else you got (laughs) you know so yeah and in some sense you want when you write music at least i want to connect with people i want the songs to become a fabric of someone's life that's why i love radio so much you know radio is this really magical thing every time i hear my song on the radio it's incredible i'll call my brother hey where are the radios take (laughs) a picture yeah some kind of magical it's always incredible and it's a way for people to get to know music in a way that you can't anywhere else and it's changed my life so i love it now, how does, you know, when you're in your band, 30 Seconds to Mars, how do you all decide which songs make the cut for the album? Well, you know, it's kind of a collective consciousness thing. You know, when I was younger, I was a little more dictatorial, you know. I mean, I, I've i learned to, to share a lot more. It was important for me when I was young to have the responsibility. And now I'm, you know, I'll ask anybody, you know, but I try to see... You know, obviously my brother has uh, 50% of the decision and always has. But you start to understand what songs are working. Some you're excited to finish. Some you kind of get burned out on. And maybe you finish them five years later. Most you throw out, though. 
Um, And, you know, your brother being in the band with you, so many people would say it's a huge mistake to work with family. Mm, I wish I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) No one told you that, huh? (laughs) But obviously that's that's not the case for you guys. No, you know, we're at that age too where we're just filled with gratitude. You know, everything from here on out is just gravy. And um, every night on stage, we even just played this New Year's show. This, you know, the Dick Clark Rockin' New yeah, Year's. Man. We yeah. played the Dick Clark uh, <laughs> Rockin' New Year's. It was a blast. And, you know, I just look at him and I was, it's just incredible to do this. That you guys yeah. get to share the same experience? Yeah. and just play music. It happens to be more now than it ever has before where... You know, I'd be wrapped up in in what's not working. You know, or that song, or this part of that thing. I'm oftentimes on stage, uh, and we played a lot of shows in Atlanta. We used to play the Cotton Club. You remember this place? I sort of do. This is a while back, though, yeah. like a long while back, oh, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, I have a funny story about that. Quick one is I was playing this show at the Cotton Club, and I don't know if it held 200 people. I'm not sure. But it was a great show. We were just starting to sell some tickets and, and the music was just starting to connect with people. And I looked down at this guy who's in the front row, literally right up against the stage. And he's just going off. And I'm like, yeah, that's great. Who is that guy <laughs> down there? And it's just, he's with all the people. And I said, is that Andre 3000? Come Shut on. Up. No. Oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's down there rocking. I'm like, what? Over the rest is, I'm like, oh. And then, sure enough, I go outside after the show, and he's just sitting out there talking to a couple of people. I'm like, hey, what's up, man? And he was just checking the show out. Wow, that, was so that, cool. that is really cool. It That's does track. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you ever get nervous when you know that there are other musicians in the crowd or even backstage that have asked to come see you? Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do, but mostly we get excited. We do something at shows that's pretty uncommon. When you play festivals, oftentimes, especially the headliners or some of the bands that are on later, I think because they have bigger crews, so there's a logic to it, but a lot of times they lock down the stage. And you might have seen this too when you go to certain shows. When it comes down to it, you know, Beyonce is going to lock that stage down because there's 300 people running around, whatever. But we actually have an open stage, so we always invite other artists to come on the stage. And we like that. Uh-huh. We like that. You know, look, it's just packed on the side. It's a bit of chaos, you know, a bit of chaos. And it feels like throwback, like, you know, 70s vibe where you just have people hanging everywhere. And uh, so I like it when I look over and see other artists. I saw Matthew McConaughey when I was at ACL uh, playing the festival. I looked down, I was like, and we had texted like a week or two before, but then, you know, kind of forgot about it. I looked down, I see there's nothing we gotta get him on stage. <laughs> oh, I bet he, I bet he took you up on that. Well, you know, at first yeah. I was like, "Am I gonna call him out?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna call him out. <laughs> get up here." And he came up and. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I feel like you're almost driven by the unpredictability of life. Yeah, I, li- I yeah. like that. I like that. And I like to see that in performers. But to me, I, I never want to know what someone's going to do next on stage. And we've always tried to bring an element to that, whether it's, you know, jumping off the stage or just the performances or what songs we're going to play. And we're touring next year, 2024, almost the entire year. I'm going to make a little movie called Tron first in January. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Like a little movie. I think I heard of uh, it. Yeah. Dang. And then we'll go on. Wow. Okay. Which do you find more challenging, acting or music? Well, you know, I I was a musician first, and um, I feel like it's a little more organic for me. You know, it's a little more of a natural state. When I'm on stage or I'm writing music, it feels like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Acting is, it's an incredible thing. It's a lot of hard work. It takes for me a lot 
probably more effort. I don't know, you know, yeah. what kind of answer that gives, but mm-hmm. it would be an easy decision. I would choose music because I do it with my brother. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like a little family business. I just feel like you're so gifted in so many areas, and I have always felt this, mm-hmm. that <laughs> God takes away in other areas. I mean, he mm-hmm. gave you a whole bunch of creativity. You're obviously a good-looking guy. What do you suck at? <laughs> um, there's got to there's gotta be a flaw somewhere. What well, is it? Lack of personality. Lock it Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> good looks. Can you not uh, throw? Can you, you not know. kick? What is it you can't do? You can't no. kick. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see him in a game of kickball? Yeah, no, or just kick a field goal. Can you kick a field? Can you play? You know, court? I've always, I, I, I've always been pretty athletic, to be honest. But I was, <laughs> 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 hey, that's easy. We, we are not. Le- you are not leaving was, here until we find. No, I have, I have plenty. You know, my, I was raised by a hippie mom, so the sports thing wasn't that important to me. I always wanted to be a creative person. But like I said, I I love to rock climb. I love the outdoors. I've got into free diving recently. No, no, uh, this, is answer, this is not answer. This is not answering my question. But I will answer the I will okay. answer the question. The thing that I'm I've, I've, He's searching is how I've been defined. <laughs> That's my flaw. <laughs> my flaw is I can't find my flaw, Bert. Oh, no, no. I, I have tons of flaws. And I think probably a big one is like I've really traded a social life and a family life for my creative dreams and you know it is in some ways it's an important thing to be Mm -hmm. mindful about especially as you get older you know i'm looking to find some balance in my life and you know i'm 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 looking to adjust some of those things because it's important you know and balance equanimity as they say is a really fundamental thing to have in life so So it's family and a personal life is the part that of balance that you don't have right yeah 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 yeah. and i've historically not had that you know i'm the guy that's working and emailing until you know the crack of dawn and then first thing i'm up i'm back to work and i think a lot of people probably don't assume that of me you know they go i'm climbing or i'm just you know this kind of (laughs) wild child or something i don't know but you know the consistent theme in my life has been one about work you know yeah i was uh i watched artifact three-fourths artifact Mm. over the weekend because i had 15 teenagers in my basement so i had one eye on my security camera and the other eye on your movie and it seems to me like you dive into every creative project you have and you won't do anything unless you do it wholly. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, to me, that's a very high compliment. Like I said, something I probably learned from my mother is like the value of hard work. And, you know, if there are people out there that are listening that have a dream, that have a little business that want to, you know, get that promotion, that have some creative idea they want to get out into the world, you know, it's not always those big steps. We're always looking for those big breakthroughs. And I would really encourage people to find the smallest step. What's the next smallest step you can take towards Mm. those goals? Because those are the things when you add them together that build the strongest foundation. Yeah. Yeah. Jared Leto on the Burt Show this morning. Before you ask your question, Ma, I want to make some space here for Abby. I'm going to give you some (laughs) insight. Okay. So Abby is fairly new to the Burt Show. This is the first major interview she's done. The only other celebrity she's had a chance to ask a question to is Garth Brooks. So it's you (laughs) and Garth Brooks. And she's sitting over there in silence right now. And I do not want you leaving studio without her, like, asking some questions. Oh my God, no, I just find it. I'm literally soaking up everything because you're such a fascinating person. And uh, Burt kind of brought this up where you really dive deep into your creative process. And something that you're kind of notorious for is your method acting preparation when you go into roles. And I was wondering if any of that kind of plays into when you're making music or if you go to any kind of similar lengths when you're creating songs. Well, I think if you look at 
Artifact, which is a documentary made we made many years ago about the making of an album called This Is War. You see a little of the meticulousness coming into it. But before, you know, I don't really, I don't call myself a method actor. I just tend to work really hard. And, you know, we have a lot of fun when we make movies. And, you know, it's that old cliche. is like you can take the work serious, but don't take yourself serious. And it's always really important to me to be the hardest working person on set, but also to be the kindest person I can be on set so those things have to run in line with each other and it's titillating to talk about some of that oh the method acting the thing and I remember hearing like Nick Cage ate a roach to prepare for his role as a vampire years ago and you hear all these stories and they capture our imagination but largely they're like over exaggerated and uh far from the truth but you know having focus and concentration those things are really helpful when you're trying to do something difficult if it's climbing if it's acting if it's music but you got to have fun as well is that the same question you ask Garth Brooks yes <laughs> his, his answer wasn't as good oh. <laughs> it doesn't have to be he's Garth <laughs> my question was actually similar to Abby's but as opposed to music I was wondering if when you do do some of this deep diving into your roles does it actually leak off screen and create challenges for you in your real life well you know it can if it's a physical commitment like you know I've lost uh 25, 30 pounds for a roll. I remember I got down to about 104, so I probably lost more than that. And then I got up to 204 for another roll, and I gained 67 pounds. And when you do that stuff, it's hard to walk away at the end of the day in a short amount of time, whether you lose weight or you gain weight, you transform your body. Maybe if you have an accent and you're working on it all the time. Mm. Uh, and you're practicing it all day. You can imagine if, like I told you, you had to show up and you have an Irish accent and, you you know, you got to work in two weeks, you're going to probably start to do it as much as you can just to practice. So when the camera rolls, you're not like, wait, what am I doing? Top of the morning. Yeah. <laughs> you know, lucky charms. You're going to sound terrible. Uh, so it's just really about practice. And sometimes it's hard to walk away. I remember, you know, finishing Dallas Buyers Club and it being such an emotional goodbye because we all committed to those characters and it was such a tragedy uh, of a film too my character died and you know it was a brutal kind of chapter in history so you know it, that can kind of affect your mood and uh, you know just conversely if you're having a lot of fun or doing something light and silly that can that can affect your mood too was that character and that movie the piece of creativity that you're most proud of as far as movies go? Because it's unmatched, if you ask me. I appreciate it. It's amazing. I, you know, there are certain films that stick out, like Requiem for a Dream is mm. always a special one in my mind. But sometimes smaller roles. I really had fun in House of Gucci. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know. I was me still. They're like, <laughs> wait, who you were in that movie? You know, uh, and I had, uh, there's something I did last year called We Crashed. Yeah, that I saw was, it. That was really fun as well. I really uh, kind of fell in love with that. Yeah, you played a big old really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Crushed it. Thank you. You're the best all I've ever seen on screen. <laughs> the, uh, and, and also, like, sometimes there are funny little things. Like, when I was a kid, Blade Runner was one of my favorite movies. Maybe my favorite. And I get a chance to be in the sequel. Little part, but it's, you know, maybe proof for living in a simulation because I'm going to do Tron as well. And that was one of my favorite movies mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Uh, so that stuff is really cool to kind of come full circle 
you know, yeah, it's so awesome. This is going to be very presumptuous of me to ask you of a favor, considering this is, you know, the first time we've ever met. Sure. But I love... You look very familiar, though. Did really? we not meet before? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I would remember. <laughs> I would for sure remember. Maybe I just have one of those faces. But Abby and I are both obsessed with the Met Gala. Oh. And we love the fashion. We love the pomp. We love all of it. And I love how designers and those who walk the carpet press the envelope like I don't want to see anything vanilla I want to see something spectacular and you always bring it we have tried explaining to Bert and Mo <laughs> why the Met Gala is so spectacular and the artistry of these designs and it's more than clothes and I know you love the Met Gala and you have walked the Met Gala carpet can you please explain to them why it is so spectacular it just feels like such a pompous arrogant it's not. elitist it's not. It does right, like so that. change change she's right change our minds about no, it no no no, I'm not. I'm not going to change your minds. I mean, I think it's like it has a little bit of everything. You know, it's probably both of those things at the same time. At the end of the day, you know, they're raising a lot of money, mm-hmm. so that's a good thing to be a part of. If they're mm-hmm. raising money and they're successful at that, then okay, it's a good excuse for the arts, uh, which is hugely important to be a part yeah. of it. I think there's also something really, you know, frivolous about it and really fun. And it's nice to see people kind of like not take things so serious. Some people take it very serious. I always treat it a little bit like it's Halloween <laughs> and a little bit like it's an art project. You mean you like know? carrying your own head that yeah. one? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for me, it's a chance to, and I try to take this approach in all areas of my life. It's an opportunity you know, to do something creative, you know, the work that goes into deciding to wear a cat costume (laughs) and just the kind of the, I'm always fascinated by the creative process. And like that moment where I thought, yeah, that's it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's a bizarre thing, you know, outside what a cat costume, (laughs) are you going to wear this to the Met Ball? And it ended up being like a really incredible experience. And it was really fun to bring that laughter and joy and the smiles across the room. It's fun to bring that to the world. And for me and my whole team, it was a chance like, oh, we found the best people in Hollywood that actually make these costumes for movies and you know, going through that creative process. A lot of people don't know that that event was celebrating Carl Lagerfeld mm-hmm. and he had a famous cat named Choupette. Right. So I dressed like his cat. There you go. I'm also playing Carl in a movie. So it was all kind of connected that year. That being said, I think I'm done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think so. I mean, you know, it's... It, You're done with the over-the-top attire no, no, or the, I just, with the Met Gala? I, I just don't know where you go nope. from here. So okay. maybe a good time to take a break. Gotcha. Uh, but it has been amazing to support what they do because it's a beautiful thing to support the arts and, and the history of what's going on there. And it's an honor to be invited. And I think Anna Winter does a phenomenal job with it. It's a cultural institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it comes off. I, I, I can understand both sides of how you look at it, but I've always been, you know, honored to be asked. If you're looking for somewhere to celebrate, whether it be a birthday or a graduation or an anniversary, May I recommend an Atlanta United match? So my husband and I just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. He is a massive Atlanta United fan. So, of course, 
we decided to go to a match at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and had the best time. I'm telling you, if you're a super fan, if you're a casual fan, going to an Atlanta United match is a great way to celebrate. My husband got to watch a great match and I got to enjoy delicious wine and I also may have gone to the team shop and got myself a new sweatshirt. I'm very excited about my new Atlanta United sweatshirt. (laughs) And kudos to Atlanta's fan base because every time we ride Marta to go down to a match, it is packed full of people wearing their Atlanta United gear. Visit atlutd.com for tickets and also for the match schedule. That's atlutd.com. Are you looking for excitement in Atlanta? Well, you got it right down the street at Mercedes-Benz. That's where Atlanta United plays. And I've been telling you for years, it's one of the most exciting nights that you will have with your family. Soccer is different. It's just different than going to a football game, baseball game. There is no downtime. I mean, the excitement lasts the entire game at an Atlanta United match. And it doesn't even matter if you're really, really into soccer or not. I'll tell you one way to get into soccer. Just go to one Atlanta United game and you will get caught up in the excitement so much that you'll become a lifelong fan. I'm telling you this right now. I love bringing my son Hollis there. I love bringing his friends there. I know it's going to be a safe family event, and I know I'm going to walk out of there. I got some memories now with my kids. So don't look any further. You got one of the best soccer teams in the country right here in our own backyard, Atlanta United. Just give it one try, Atlanta United. You can always get your tickets at atlutd.com. Jared Leto on the Burt Show this morning. You seem to really especially in a time now when everybody is giving you feedback, ugly shit online, some nice things, but we focus on the, you really don't seem to give a about what anybody thinks about any of your projects. And you seem to sort of go through life really being authentic to yourself. And that's enough. Is my impression correct? Or does it get in your head sometimes? Yeah, I try to, you know, I mean, I've never really subscribed to the belief that you should let people slow you down or stop you from following your dreams. I mean, if we agreed with all the people that didn't agree with us, we probably wouldn't get very far. And, you know, it's funny. I don't know if it's the time we live in or if it's just every generation says this, but it is, it feels like there's a lot of conflict in the world. And I tried to walk a path where I'm adding uh, something positive to the planet. That's why it's nice to have a song like Seasons. It's nice to have this album. There's a certain optimism to it. It was born into the early days of COVID. And the album is actually called It's the End of the World, but it's a beautiful day. And to me, it's a little ironic, but it's also there's a sense of hope that there's maybe still some beauty to be found, although things might seem a bit bleak. I saw you do an interview with, uh, it was a really great interview. It was one of your friends in England. I think. And they brought up the fact that the name of the album uh, is It's the End of the World, but it's a beautiful day because when the end of the world does happen, it it could very well be super sunny outside. It could literally (laughs) look like this. Right. Mm -hmm. And and this could be the last minute. We're all sharing it together. (laughs) Bye, guys. (laughs) See you Uh, next time. So with the album titled It's the End of the World, uh, but it's a beautiful day, how do you define, like, what's a beautiful day to you? You know, it's the most beautiful day to me is probably the simplest. Uh It would be to, you know, uh, cook a meal at home, to go on a a hike and and be in nature, to to do a rock climb, uh, to watch a movie. You know, those, I'm always flying around the world and, and, you know, meeting awesome people like you and having this stimulating 
life for me, like the perfect day is is going to be pretty simple and pretty quiet. God, it sounds nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I like the holidays because it's like I have forced rest. No one else will work, so I'm like, all right, I guess I better uh, recover a little bit. And uh, but I like I like having uh, uh, both. Is that where your peace is? A silent place is peace yeah. for you? Yeah, I think so. And um, especially as as I've gotten older, you know, it, the the great thing is like going on tour with my brother is is just this incredibly rewarding thing because every night you're on stage and we always take the perspective like we're on stage for the audience. We're not there for them. Like we're we're cheering them on. Mm. Like mm. I, I I haven't heard like screams in the crowd cheering in the crowd i haven't heard that for 15 years i'm up there and i'm really intent on like what can i do to give everyone in the audience a better experience tonight and when you take that mindset it's easy you go back to the hotel you're you're satisfied Hmm. and that's a beautiful thing there's Uh, a shot in artifact when you're on stage and the whole front row seems to be crying at your music and i specifically wanted to ask you can you see that and what does it feel like to you when you see that kind of emotional connection with your audience it's incredible and i'll tell you i never ever thought that would happen i thought you know in the very beginning you know you hope that you're going to have some success but uh you know for failure was very much closer to a reality than any success was. I never thought anybody would be at a concert singing our songs. I never thought that I would be here talking to you about seasons on the radio. I never thought I would put a sixth album out. It's all absolutely incredible. So, uh, I, I'm just really grateful. My brother and I are always astounded. And, and there are people who are having so much fun in the audience. Sometimes you're just like, Oh, yeah. You know, I'll stop the show and be like, you, get the spotlight on this guy over here. Get on stage, you know. And uh, You want to trade places? You're going to sit there and watch them I wish them I could give everybody a chance to be on stage, you know, and, and I could be in the audience. You know, it's, a, it's, a, it's so fun up there. Uh, and we do that often. Like, we have a thing um, for our last song. We'll bring people from the audience on stage. And just random people call them out and they jump over the barricade and they come up and they jump around and hang out for the last song. Oh, I bet security loves that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. With, um, with you speaking to being fearless and being around danger, I was fascinated when I was reading about some of your experiences and they were speaking to the set of Alexander and how dangerous mm-hmm. it was. Was Is that accurate that it was it was that terrifying? How was that for you? You know, it, 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 it was a pretty interesting film to make we were in Morocco for like three months and then we were in maybe even a little longer. And then we were in Thailand for a long time, both really awesome places. And I'd never spent that much time in the desert. It was cool to be in, in that country at that time, culturally really fascinating place. And, um, so it was life changing, I would say in a way, but I do remember there being like battle scenes and, you know, people would fall off their horses and it looks so real <laughs> because you have, there's a hundred people on horseback and there's a hundred here and they're like literally headed straight towards each other. And the wild thing is you can feel the earth rumble. Wow. Yeah. So how terrifying it must have been back then if you heard some invading army come from, you know, abroad and they would just kind of do a fake, you know, clash, but the dust and the smoke and... It was just crazy. 
But uh, yeah, it was a wild one. So uh, let's talk about this this new album, right? Yeah. Um, and if I ask stupid questions about music, it's because I'm stupid about music. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really kind of basic when it comes to music. But I, how long have you worked in radio? Uh, a long time, 30-something <laughs> years. But I didn't get into radio for music. I got into radio because I'm short and I wanted girls. <laughs> <laughs> but, so go to a place where they only hear your voice. Right. <laughs> that, that works for me. It clearly works for me. So uh, on this album here, because I was listening to um, your last project and your albums before that also, this one almost feels, I don't want to say light, but there's a lightness more to this album than there have been in past albums. I'll I'll take light. Okay. I mean, I'll take light. It it, it to me the it's it's nice to have some lightness. We've had a lot of darkness, mm-hmm. and uh, and I like that. You know, it's funny. I used to, for me, you know, the mornings and the daytimes are 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 more important. You know, I like to stretch the day out. I like to see the sun uh, rise and set. Um, so, so yeah, I think, I think lightness is, is a good word and there is a sense of, of hope, of optimism. Yeah. There's a, there's songs about heartbreak. There are songs about, you know, struggling, uh, through life like we all do. Um, but there's, there are those other things too. Is there a reflection in the songs and the tone on this album that reflect where you are in your life now as opposed to where you were in past albums? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's one song we have called Never Not Love You, and I've never had a... You know, when I was a kid, the first two songs that I bought, I bought... I went to the record store and I bought 45s, which we remember. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, one was Joan Jett, I Love Rock and Roll. Mm-hmm. The other was uh, Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Okay. So uh, maybe my whole life has been between those two songs. I don't know. But it's I always love that ballad. And we have a ballad on this album called Never Not Love You. And I played it for people. And it was the only time I ever had a song. And this happened very early on in the studio where I'd play it and people would start crying. Mm. Uh, So we have a very emotional album. And if you're a sucker for a ballad that's on there, (laughs) I am, you know. Uh, But it's a new direction for 30 Seconds of Mars. And six albums in 25 years later pretty exciting to have a new sure. direction sure uh and we best what you said before is true we're doing whatever we want mm. you know we're following our own muse we're not beholden to anybody we're making the music that we want to make and that's what was that, that's what i was thinking the music that you want to make are you guys taking inventory of like how you're currently feeling, how the world is affecting you. Because it does, everything does feel very heavy right now, right? So you knew you needed some lightness in your life. So maybe that reflected in the music and you're hoping this is also what other people might be feeling and needing right now? I hope so. Um, I mean, there's a lot of discord. There's a lot of conflict um, out there in the world, you know, and... You know, when you when you make an album, it's really a reflection of how you see things out there in the universe, uh, what's going on with you, sometimes what's going on with someone else. Uh, sometimes it's really introspective, it's personal. Other times it's a social commentary. I think this album has a little of, of all of that. And then what's funny is you go back on tour and you play old songs and then sometimes they take on a new meaning. Mm-hmm. On, on our last album, we had a song called Walk on Water, which was kind of the mm-hmm. first, in a way, if you look at the lyrics, it's a very political song. And we would go to certain countries and it would take on a new 
feeling. There was like a fervor. There was a passion in the way they would react to the song and sing along to it. And those songs change sometimes. Sometimes, you know, we have a song called This Is War. We have an album called This Is War. And, you know, go to certain places and, and you play those songs and they hit differently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you were saying that you are really doing what you want. You're very creatively free on these albums. And I hate to keep quoting the movie, but is that because you are doing independent stuff now and you're not um, connected to any huge record label that can tell you what they want as opposed to what you want? Yeah, I've, I've, we've always been like that. I mean, we've always kind of, we always did our own thing. We always basically made our album. We didn't have a lot of kind of, we never had a guru from the record company that came in and, you know, gave us all the answers. It might have been nice because, <laughs> you know, we certainly didn't feel like you had the answers. You just kind of, you know, committed uh, to what was there. But no, the, the music for us is the art. And it's like, that's our responsibility. When we get on stage, that's our responsibility. And we have a great team of people that help us. Um, and uh, it's been a wild ride. But look, we're lucky to be here. We're lucky to still be doing this. Um, and we're acutely aware of that. Uh, so we just tried to, you know, keep our heads in check and enjoy every single second of it. Before you walked in here, Kristen asked an interesting question. I, I, I think you might have asked it. And it's like, when is the first time after the album is done where you sit down and you listen to it from beginning to end? Or is there ever that process? You know, when I finish an album, I never listen to it again. That's it. That's it. Wow. I, huh. I played the songs on stage, but I, I don't. And then sometimes years later, you, you know, I, I thought, I remember I did an anniversary, like kind of playback of an album and that was cool because you're too far past all of the mistakes uh all of the things you wanted to change all of the, the you know the second guessing you're just it kind of is what it is can't and, do anything about it yeah that's it right. and then you just let go and that's a that's a, that's a beautiful thing so yeah. we, you would never host a listening party <laughs> uh no i and i would love to but like i said it 10 years later would be great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like uh, celebrity memoirs are all the rage right now. Would you ever yeah. consider doing one? I don't think so. No. You know, it's funny talking about McConaughey. Uh, I actually, yeah. I spoke to him last night. He called mm -hmm. me and I saw the FaceTime. I was like, Matthew McConaughey calling me. What, what is up? And, I guess he was in Hawaii. Is your first thought like, I wonder how baked he's going to be? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And he's but, probably thinking the same thing about you. No, no, no. I'm a good boy. Uh, <laughs> I got it all out of my system. Right now you are, ago. right? Uh, but I, I, you know, I said, hey, what's up? And he goes, um, and he started repeating the lyrics to uh, the song we were talking about, uh, a song called Never Not Love You. I mean, a song called Love These Days and as, and, and then Seasons. We were talking about uh, the new single. And he was just driving on to Hawaii and uh, <laughs> listening to the music. I was like, thank you, brother. That was so cool. Um, but uh, Feels like the most Matthew McConaughey thing ever also. It's like, so sweet when your friends support you like that. Like that has to, I mean, take the, like, the celebrity out of it, but just to have a good mm -hmm. friend call you up and say, I'm in my car driving around listening to your music, to have yeah. that support, it means a lot. It, it, it does because we're all so busy. We all have things to do, and then we all create things to do if we don't have things to do. So, you know, time is, for me, the most valuable thing. Of course. Uh, and when someone takes a little bit of their time it doesn't you know it's matthew's a friend and a colleague and you know i love him as an actor as well but yes it's a friend but what was your question i forgot 
Oh, about whether you would do a memoir. Oh, maybe, yeah, because I thought that was an interesting question. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as people say to me sometimes, you know, um, God, you have, especially some younger people, I heard this a lot this, this year, is, you, know, you, you got a little mystery to your life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, of course, to me, I, I, I don't. Maybe I'm mysterious and even to myself, you know, <laughs> uh, which isn't true. But I... You know, I like that. I, I like that um, in other people, I should say. I like that in, in actors, that I can kind of just let the character, I can wonder about their life. I don't know every single detail. So I probably wouldn't write a memoir. Um, but, you know, I always you never know. Yeah. Never say never. Yeah. But isn't there a part of you also that sometimes thinks that, I mean, you've lived a very interesting a very challenging life also. I mean, as you alluded to earlier, I mean, drugs were a big thing in your life yeah. uh, to a point where it was addiction. With a memoir, couldn't you help some, if somebody reads that and figures yeah. out how you got out of it, then maybe you can touch well, on that one? It, it, if someone, you know, spoke eloquently like that and could convince me that there was a good reason and if it could be fun, mm-hmm. you know, if there's a certain part of my life where I'm like, you know what, I kind of slowed down some other areas Maybe I can share some things if there's if there's a, a way to to be additive to life. I certainly it's not just not my style to be, you know, uh, to spill the beans on certain mm-hmm. things. Just because I I I have a love of of, of private life mm-hmm. and especially being a a public person. It's hard to come by. Yeah, it really is, <laughs> yeah. and I and I appreciate. I try to you know offer that to. To, to other people as, as well, you know, yep. respect for people's privacy. We're going to wrap here in a second, but that does take us down a really interesting road just for a second. Mm. Can you go out in public and not be spotted? And if not, then I would think for a guy like you, that would be almost feel like a prison to not be able to walk around and just be yourself. You're right in that I like to walk around and, 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 and wander cities. And, you know, when I'm traveling, one of my favorite things to do, you're on tour, uh, is to go walk around Atlanta or wherever I am or find some place to go climb, go to the climbing gym. And yeah, so that that sense of like kind of just being uh, anonymous is a beautiful thing. And it's difficult mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, but, you know, uh, these days you can you can put on a face mask and uh, you know that helps, which is it's a little annoying. I to think be people honest, would know your you know? forehead and your eyes. Sometimes <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's so weird. Sometimes you know my, my team will be walking around or in New York. I'll just not want to you know uh, be social or something, and or just kind of want to disappear a little bit. Or I'll put on a face mask and a baseball cap and a scarf and a jacket, and then. People I'll walk by. Hey, Jared. The name of the album is "It's the End of the World," but it's a beautiful day. You said you guys are touring next year. Yeah, well, and where are we? We must be playing Atlanta. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we haven't announced it yet. Oh but, God, you but I should it. know this. Oh, anyway. you got the thumbs up. Yes. Oh, we well, are. So okay. we'll see you in Atlanta. Great. We're 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 coming through. And and like I said before, we've played. so so many shows in this city. It used to be we were here all the time playing little shows, and they'd be great. It's great because at some point, you know, people come back, mm-hmm. and uh, I hear stories all the time. Oh, I saw you, Cotton Club. I saw you there. I was at you know Music Midtown. Mm-hmm. I was at this thing or whatever. All the, all these years we've played, 
uh, a 99X, mm-hmm. you know, was a very yes. important uh, station this for us. This is the signal that 99X used to be on. Oh, yeah, yeah, we just kicked them right off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry about that. But, uh, they're right down the hall. <laughs> yeah, they're bringing it back, though. But those stations and those times, that's where we became who we are. Yeah. You, you really know? do have a love for radio, don't you? You know, it changed our lives. It changed That's our awesome lives. awesome to hear. There was seriously. a guy named Bill Carroll who passed away, and we used to go drive from station to station, and, you know, he really taught me the value of relationships. And and for us, it was just an easy thing. I grew up, the radio changed my life. My brother and I would turn to the radio. It, it You know, it, we would listen to Zeppelin. We mm-hmm. listen to The Who. We listen to The Doors. It was classic rock. It was... DC 101, it was all these stations mm. around uh, the, the the country when we were moving around so much in the car with my mom. I remember listening to, you know, her singing along to like Queen or something in the car. And those songs, you know, kind of taught us who we are. Um, so, where, where were you when you heard your song on the radio for the first time? Oh, I remember um, one of the early times we heard uh, Attack on the radio and we were in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. That's my hometown. <laughs> she wasn't born and, yet. Yeah. <laughs> but I, well, I was also on the radio in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. <laughs> Just another thing you and Jared Leto have a Besties. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we had to really earn it, too. So that makes it more special. Like, we never had the world kind of just fall over and be like, oh, you guys are geniuses. Let's just, you know, every song you've written is great. Here's your number one single. We had to really work for it and i think that's made it a little sweeter man you've been great let me um let me just honestly say this i don't even really like to do these kind of interviews anymore because i feel like most people that walk in here don't give a lot of themselves or they're trying to protect an image so i don't even like doing these anymore um but you did not disappoint man thank um, you brother what, i appreciate it and these interviews are only as good as the people that you're interviewing and what they want to give up and thank you for your time we've been doing this for an hour and i could talk to you for four hours yeah it was just... really fun and i enjoyed uh, you guys as well thank and, you. and uh i've like i said before I'm, i feel pretty lucky to be here I'll be, well, I'll be in the front row. You're showing Atlanta yeah. crying. Yeah. Everybody's <laughs> turn it up. We'll bring Andre with us. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Jared Leto, thanks for coming in today. It's a bird show. You guys should all come on stage if you're half of time that we for that last song. Um, yeah. You should all. It would be great to see to go from this moment to like you're all we're all on stage for the last song at the show. Hold on, let me check my count. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Let's do it. Doesn't matter what day, what month, what year, we'll be there. We'll make it happen. You're, you're invited. <laughs> okay, so. we'll take you up on it.